With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. Today's podcast episode is presented by Veyer. Veyer was founded with the goal of building an affordable, everyday wristwatch that blends tasteful design with extreme durability and functionality. Veyer returns a sense of dignity to affordable wristwatches and are built to last. Veyer is a true American watch company specializing in both quartz and automatic watches. Veyer is offering our listeners 15% off if you use the code PODGO15. Go to veyerwatches.com to learn more and get your new timepiece today. Look deeper. Tamla Horsford, a beautiful African-American woman, lived in one of the most racist cities in the United States when she was found dead. Authorities categorized her death as accidental due to intoxication, but there aren't many facts that add up to that conclusion. The facts point more towards Tamla being murdered by nine white individuals whom she called friends. Welcome to or welcome back to the Great Unsolved podcast. This is officially the start of season two and year two. Yesterday actually marked one year since I started doing this, so that's kind of exciting. Remember that 31 Days of Crime is coming up next month, which means a new episode every day. Check out the Patreon link below to get those episodes early. The last thing I'm going to mention is that my first book is out. It goes over 14 unsolved murders of men over the last 20 years. That link will be below also. This week we are going over the case of Tamla Horsford, a woman who lost her life far too early and under very mysterious circumstances. Tamla Horsford lived in Forsyth, Georgia, one of the most segregated cities that still exists in the U.S. The ratio of black citizens there is only at 4%. This was also the site of many different race discrepancies such as white supremacists, blocking civil rights movements, and more. At the age of 40 though, Tamla was a mom of five boys married to her best friend and a well-loved friend to many others. Tamla's husband stated that she loved everyone. She was just so open and welcoming. She always made sure that her family was well taken care of, and that came into play during the night she passed away. The night before she was found dead, she was attending an adult sleepover at an acquaintance's home. Some sources say it was a good friend's home, but from what I have found it was simply another mom whose son did football. That is how all of these women knew each other, and they were celebrating another finished football season, but also the host's birthday. 
Because Tamla was taking care of her family, she was about an hour late that night. She had been busy at home making dinner and even making a breakfast for her family for the next day. Eventually, though, she did make it over to the adult sleepover. Her family later reported that she seemed excited about this party. She got along with almost everyone, so she thought it would be a fun, relaxing girls' night. She even wore adorable feety pajamas with dogs all over them, just to play into the party a little bit more. And she came armed with a bottle of tequila as well. That description may have sparked some memories of this case for many people. It only happened in 2018, so it is one of the more recent cases that I have covered. There is that infamous picture of a bunch of white women and Tamla sitting on a couch in pajamas. This was a picture that was taken the night before she was found dead. There are also a lot of other pictures and videos that have come out and are available if you search online. In all of these pictures and videos, she seems to be having a great time, which is something that those who were with her that night refer to later. Anyways, once Tamla got there, they all had drinks and began playing some board games to pass the time. It is reported that throughout the night, everyone had a good amount to drink, and definitely Tamla. Others reported that she did seem intoxicated, but not overly so to where she had no idea what was going on. Throughout the case, all of the other people that were at the sleepover, including about seven women and three men besides Tamla, I believe, continually made it clear to police that Tamla was the only one who smoked in the group. This means she was the only one going outside regularly so that she could smoke. To me, this kind of seems like a cover-up and a group of people just trying to form a story, and you'll see how that plays in later in the case. Around 1am is the last reported time that anyone at the party saw Tamla. They stated she went outside to smoke, and the rest of them all retired to bed at that same time. However, Jose Barrera, the host of the party's boyfriend, has a completely different story of when he last saw Tamla. He states that he went into the kitchen after everyone else had started going to bed, and Tamla was in there still drinking. He states that she was fairly intoxicated, but instead of making sure she was okay or really anything at all, he just left her there and went to bed. That will be an important thing that comes up later in the case. But this is kind of where things start to get a lot more confusing. It is reported that a stepdaughter, or something like that, it was kind of hard to find, but they lived on the first slash basement floor of the house. This house was kind of built into a hill, so the basement had like a sliding door and a patio out there too. Anyways, this individual reportedly ran upstairs to the host's bedroom and said she needed to speak with Jose. Since she was obviously scared about something, the woman, who was the host, demanded that this individual tell her what was going on also. Many believe it is very odd that this woman was adamant that she had to speak with Jose alone. This made many people believe that maybe Jose had something to do with Tamla's death, and that is why this girl needed to talk to him specifically. Some report that this time of discovery of the body was at 7.30am, while others report it was at 9am. 
The reasoning to why there are two separate times is that there was a time change that night and the clocks in the home hadn't changed. Although this was only 2018 and all phones and computers changed on their own, so it seems like a problem that wouldn't really have happened. Police will later say that 9 a.m. was the correct time because they do not believe there was a large gap in between when Tamla was found and when the police were called. I do have quite a few issues with that assumption, though. First of all, how can they make that assumption at all? Even if there were text messages or something connecting the people and showing that maybe they didn't get up until almost 9 a.m., this doesn't mean the people weren't up. That could have been a very well-crafted alibi that they could have planned out or something along those lines. Also, if they had anything to do with Tamla's death, then there was really no discovery time. They knew what happened and they went to bed or cleaned up, etc., but decided on the time that they would call the police. The theory on what happened in this case is that for some reason, Tamla was standing on the railing of a 16-foot-high deck that comes out of the back of the home, and then she fell and died in the yard. This is the reason why people feel the need to keep establishing that she was the only smoker around, so that way she was the only one outside and no one did anything or witnessed it. However, Tamla's body was found 20 feet out from the railing, which seems way too far away to fall or even jump to, and that is the first big indicator of foul play. Here's the 911 call. At first, it's between the host of the party and an operator, and then it gets handed to Jose. There are a lot of things to listen for in this call, so listen carefully, and then we'll go over all of them after. Hi, yes, um, I, I need an ambulance and a place. Can I home? What's the address? 4450 Woodlick Court. 4450 Woodlake? Woodlake, okay. All right, 4450 Woodlake Court. What is your name? My name is John Myers, J-E-A-N-N-E. Okay, and your phone number is 60 
Okay. I mean, can you just check and see if she's breathing? If, if she's not breathing and you, and you know she's gone, then just leave her where she's at. If she... Okay. Completely not sure. Okay, and that's the only blood that you would see? That's what I can see without moving her over. I had okay. to space. Um, do you know if she um do you know if she was suicidal at all? I have no clue. I've met her one other time. Um, you know, like my girlfriend said, we were over last night. <clears throat> um just we were had she was her birthday party, we were not the woman that we believe to be deceased, but it's my girlfriend's birthday party. Instead of having everybody go out, she had everyone stay in. And she was the last one I saw before everybody, I mean, everybody was typically put off to bed. She was the last one in the kitchen. She was just thinking either waiting around for a ride or waiting until the morning. Okay. How far is the, um, where she would have fell from? How far is the deck from the ground? Um, I would probably say uh, 20 feet. Okay. You know, 20 feet from where your feet would be on the railing. The railing itself is maybe three and a half, four feet. Okay. And what is her name? Uh, I know her name. You call it Cam. I'm assuming that's short for Cammy or Tamra. Was she there with anyone else? Uh, her name is Cam Horsford, H-O-R-S-F-O-R-D, really black female. Um, I don't believe anybody was. Uh, my girlfriend has cameras here on the back deck that we can check. Okay. That I think would have caught the incident if she fell from here. Again, I... I I don't know. It's hard to say if she fell from from the deck or if she was already downstairs. She was the only smoker on here. And, I'm sorry. That's a lot of information. Okay, I'm so sorry about that. So you think she's possibly okay. out there um, smoking? Yeah, she was, she was the only smoker. I mean, I'm, I'm on the back deck right now, and cigarettes lighter that type of thing right here um okay. i'm just trying to see where it's going okay all right um have are all the people that were there last night are they still at your house
important thing that Jose seems far too relaxed on this phone call. Someone who finds someone dead, no matter if you really don't know them or you know them very well, would most likely be panicking and trying to help as much as possible, but Jose did neither of those things. Another big thing that happened in this call is that no one really seems to answer the question of if Tamla was breathing. Jose states that she was still. Sometimes he states, no, she's not breathing. Sometimes he states he isn't sure. And it's almost as if he's guessing and not even out by the body. Backing up that theory is that when the operator tells him that the police are coming, he says he will get his shoes on and go outside. So it seems like he was never outside actually checking on Tamla. He also talks about how he doesn't know if there is blood because she is face down, which many people seem to have a problem with. They figure that if Tamla fell from the 16-foot deck, then she would have had a lot of blood on her and around her. Also, no one ever asks if there's police or ambulances on the way. They seem unconcerned with the situation, which makes it seem like these people did not really care about Tamla at all. Jose also states that there are security cameras out on the deck that they can check. Then, there's the noise of someone else talking in the background, and he quickly states that he was mistaken. It seems like, for some reason, they did not want the police accessing those security cameras. It is also revealed during this 911 call that four of the individuals that were there the night before had already left by the time the body was found or right after the body was found. This means that either they had seen Tamla and left anyway, or they panicked and left the home for another reason. This messes up alibis and the investigation overall from a start. In the call, you were also able to hear Jose say 
that they can check the times that the security system recorded all the doors opening or closing. Personally, this is the most interesting part of the case because it almost confirms her death was not accidental. This security system recorded the door to the deck opening at 1.49 a.m. and then closing at 1.50 a.m. Then seven minutes later, it was opened again and not shut until the quote-unquote discovery of Tamla. When Tamla has her autopsy, it was determined that her time of death couldn't have been after 1.30 a.m. This was 20 minutes before that door opened and then was opened again, which means someone besides Tamla was on that deck after Tamla was already laying in the yard deceased. Once again, he also stated that Tamla was the only one in the group who smoked, which is an irrelevant fact to bring up on the phone when with 911. Her death obviously was not caused by smoking, but people kept reiterating this because they really needed a story to go by. Eventually, around 9.09 a.m., the police show up to the home where Tamla was lying dead. The odd thing is that no paramedics came with. Some believe that this is because Jose stated she was not breathing, but that's very unprofessional. It seems more of a racial point in this case, due to the city being somewhat racially segregated overall, and they simply chose not to send an ambulance to see if there was anything they could do for Tamla. They essentially just gave up on her. The police officer that came first stated that when he approached Tamla, she looked deceased. Still not confirmed, but they went with it anyway. Once again, not offering help to Tamla, so it's kind of hard to not wonder, like, what if she wasn't deceased at that time. What if there was something they could have done, but everyone just decided not to? When the autopsy did come back, it was found she had many scratches or cuts on her shins, a broken wrist, a broken neck, a lacerated heart, and a fractured back, not to mention the scrapes on her face and several bleeding spots on and around her head. Her blood alcohol concentration was 0.23. For analysis sake, the U.S. legal limit is 0.08, so she was about three times the legal limit, which means she was quite intoxicated. However, I think that fact that she was so intoxicated shows that she could not have been accidentally climbing up on the railing and falling off to her death. To land in the spot her body is found, she would have had to stand on the wooden railing on a 16-foot high balcony and jump an amount of feet that no one could jump. This would be impossible sober, so it would be even more impossible while intoxicated. To me, these injuries work with not just a fall, but also blunt force trauma. These would be easy things to inflict if someone were trying to kill her, and since it is mostly breaking bones, it would not be a very messy scene. Authorities have even stated that her body was not found in a spot where she could have fallen from the balcony, so she had to have fallen from the ground level. However, they then switched and said that her injuries couldn't have been from falling at ground level, so she must have fallen from the balcony. They are essentially going back and forth to try and explain this with just the reason of accidental falling. Everything in this case points to a cover-up. The 911 call is especially damning. 
Jose states that he was the last person to see Tamla. He states she was very intoxicated. He also states that there are security cameras and then he takes it back right away. No one seems panicked, no one is urgent for paramedics, and no one is trying to help Tamla. This makes it seem like they knew she was dead from the start of the 911 call. The only way they would know that is if they had killed her. The main theory in this case is that Tamla was the victim of a hate crime. She was invited to a party where she was the only non-white person. These other people were not considered close friends, and she was the last one to show up almost an hour late, which gave time for people to discuss and plan if something was going to happen. Then she passed no later than 1.30 a.m. and was not discovered until 9 a.m. the next morning. This gave them more than enough time to clean up and formulate a story. That is essentially it for the case of Tamla Horsford. This is a case that really makes me mad, but luckily in June of 2020, it was reopened, so it is being looked into again as we speak. Hopefully, some new facts and evidence will come up and Tamla can finally get justice. Just like to reiterate that authorities at first stated she couldn't have fallen from the deck, then stated she had to have fallen from the deck simply to explain her injuries. So it seems very suspicious that they don't even really know what's going on in this case, but yet they closed it anyway. Check out our Patreon at the link below for exclusive content. Also check the link to buy my book that discusses, that discusses 14 murders that were wrongly closed just like this case. Go follow us on Twitter at Great Unsolved, Instagram at Great Unsolved Pod, and check out our Facebook page. All the links are below. Stay safe and have a great day. The Great Unsolved Podcast is a partner of the Oracle Network.